Okay, we are here on Cruise to the Edge in uh, Costa Maya on the coast of Mexico for a rare live interview. We don't normally do these, but we have an amazing uh, music industry executive manager, promoter, uh, entrepreneur, Andy Farrow here. Hello. Hi Andy, how are you? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not, not feeling brilliant today, but uh, you know, last night was kind of a late one and uh, probably first time on this cruise where I actually had maybe too many drinks. Yeah. Which is, you know, not unusual. Seeing a lot of bands, a lot of bands you know, uh, bands you, you wanted to see. Uh, I mean, to be honest, on the, on this cruise, uh, you know, I've been on other crews like Prog Nation, 70,000 Tons of Metal, a lot of the bands on this, apart from the older ones, you know, obviously, I know Yes, Marillion, Steve Hackett, etc. Um, I saw a bit of Adrian Blue Power Trio last night, which uh, I saw previously on Prognation. But there's not like loads of brand new bands. Obviously, we've just been talking about Thank You Scientist, um, and then obviously I went to see Knife World, which is a band that we actually book, uh, who I'd never seen before because the way it works in the office, I mean, you know, there's different another agent is booking them, so. Um, uh, yeah, so I've not, it's not been a situation where it's like finding loads and loads of new bands because I think the audience on this is obviously a lot of Yes fans and it's, it's slightly different to other kind of cruise gigs I've been on before. Yeah, and well, in particular, you're here for, for one particular band. Yeah, well, uh, it, it should have been two. You know, obviously Sons of Apollo, it's uh, played their first ever gig on the boat and... Um, the other band who was supposed to be on the boat was Anathema that I manage and book, who are not here for personal reasons. Right. So, talk about Sons of Apollo. What's your relationship with the band? And, and well, what do you think of the first show? As you know. Uh, well, I mean, the first show, obviously, Jeff, you know, the singer had had bad news. You know, his brother had, had passed away just as the boat was was departing. So, you know, I've got a fact he even completed the gig was amazing um so you know with that aside and you know there was a few little glitches maybe the vocals a bit low in the mix i thought the band did really well obviously the audience was it's kind of an old audience in there and on this cruise they are probably one of the heavier bands but um for me yeah i'd like there was a few songs missing out of the set and you know maybe ending it with dream theater's track was a bit strange for me but we'll see what they do on the, the second right uh, they said they might mix it up on, yeah. on the second yeah. second show so each band on the cruise does two sets yeah typically um what's what's your involvement with the band uh are you managing them right now or, or going to be a manager? Or? Uh, well, I am managing the band. I mean, essentially, I mean, how it was that, that, that Mike Portnoy and Derek were kind of the original kind of guys that signed the record deal and then brought the other guys in. So when I first met you, you were going, oh, yeah, I'm doing a Q&A. What should I? I'm like, well, I only met the rest of the band in a fire drill. So it's kind of... Uh, so yeah, I mean, I'm um, you know we're still sorting out the contract and stuff, but I mean right now, obviously, I'm, I'm working with the label on setting up the next single, which will be a live, which you know hopefully we get some radio traction. Also, you know, dealing with the the touring plans. So outside of America, I'm actually booking the band worldwide. So we've got festivals, filler dates, uh, European tour that will start in. Uh, 
mid-September, go to the end of October and we'll be looking at playing in Japan. Um, we've got gigs in South America coming up in, in April. So it's just about getting the whole kind of touring machine together because the band's already sold quite a few albums, but you know these days it's, it's all about getting out on the road. Yeah. And so you got a bunch of members in this band that in their history have had lots of different projects over time, Portland being one of those that's known mm. for that. But with this one, they've they've come out and said that this is going to be their priority. Is that important for you, being their manager as a band, that, that, that whatever they're working at that time is the priority for it to, to work? Yeah, I mean, because the biggest problem is, especially, you know, Mike Portnoy's had loads of projects, and sometimes even from a press perspective, it's like, oh, it's another project. So, you know, I think also for, to get the coverage, it needs to be seen as a full-time band. And I was told, you know, the whole year would be clear, and but I think it's very important that it gets across to people that it is a band and not a project, and that has got to be from you know, doing a lot of touring and then obviously working on to the next record, which we will probably look to get out um, around autumn next year. Oh, cool! Are they they've talked about ideas for? No, for... the band are not aware of this yet. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. So you mentioned festivals. Uh, I know that's a big part of what you do, uh, in particular the uh, B Prague, my friend festival yeah. in Spain. Um, that has an incredible lineup. So, so what's going on with that? Who's playing? Talk about that one. Uh, well, this year we we managed to land a perfect circle as a headliner, and then the other headliner is Steve Hackett. So, what we do with this festival is we try and get um, one kind of. A band for the older audience and one for the younger audience and to mix it up and obviously you know it's called be prog my friend and the word prog and you know some of the bands might be deemed as alternative but it's music that's progressive so what we try to do is get some of the older bands but have the hottest new bands coming up so I mean last year we won the uh, prog award for best event and you know, Leprous had the slot after Jeffro Toll. It's the late night slot because in Spain gigs go on late and they went down amazingly, actually sold more merch than any other band. So it's always good to have new bands coming through. So yeah. this year we've got an act called Pliny, who's a guitarist. It's all DIY, DIY out of Australia. But again, people are excited. The other thing we try and do is get a band to do a special set, play an album. So this year was going to be Catatonia, one of my bands. Annoyingly, I'm not playing it anymore, but uh, so Burst, who are a band from Norway, who wants to beat Opeth on to uh, win an award, which was, what was it, a P3 Guild Award. So this band Burst from Norway have reformed. I personally was like, well, I don't know how many people would be excited, but they are, because so we try and have something special. So last year, Devin Townsend did Ocean Machine, and you know we tried to keep that formula. So we have a, a headliner for the older fans, one for the younger fans, and then mixing up new bands coming through because you and me talked about the growth of the prog genre, and it can't be reliant on just old dinosaurs. Yeah, right. Sons of Apollo playing the festival too, correct? Sons of Apollo are playing, yeah, the festival. So generally, because I manage and book quite a lot of acts, so I always have at least one or two bands on. Yeah. What other uh, key festivals are the ones that you look at as as a manager or, or somebody pushing a band, or even maybe you're looking to sign a band? Is there 
something, a performance at a festival or a festival in particular that is, is a key thing for you to say, oh, that this is going to work, this band needs yeah. this? Well, I mean, every, every country has, like, key festivals. So, for example, in Germany, one of the biggest festivals is Wacken. Now, when Wacken right. started, in England, we're all a bit snobby and we go, oh, look at that, all those old power metal bands. And now it just sells out on the name. So Wacken's a very big one. Hellfest is another festival, 80,000 in France. To get on that is very important. In the UK, there's a lot of politics between promoters. So Live Nation have download Kilimanjaro, used to have Sonosphere, and then they couldn't get a headliner. So now they've got Stone Free, which is an indoor festival where they've got the other version of Yes and uh, Scorpions and bands like that on. So it's not necessarily about a key festival when I'm looking at new bands, because if I've got a band and I've signed them and for their profile is to get them on festivals, but the reality might be different. You know, they might be on at 10 o'clock in the morning. It's about how you hype it on the internet. They're, they're on the posters, you know, and so it looks bigger than it probably is. Yeah. But, you know, for me with bands, I personally would prefer to see them in a small club, just from a point of view of, of, of can this band play live, can I grow this band, rather you, than, than if, a festival. If a band wants you to work with them or you're thinking you've heard of a band, maybe getting some buzz, you want to check them out, what do you look for? Is it uh, how many fans they have on Facebook? Is it is it their merch? What is it their YouTube streams? What do you look for to say, this is worth my time? Okay, I well, I mean, the first thing, when a band wants to do a support, it is old-fashioned, but we tend to look at Facebook, and the, the Facebook figures don't mean everything now. Recently, I've been working with a new band called Naked Six, put four singles out, and the streams are just growing. But if Facebook is not growing, but like the streams, because some acts, Devin Townsend, for example, is not huge on Facebook, but he's massive on Twitter. So I don't just look at Facebook. My thing would be uh, listen to the music, um, and you know, if you're sending music, it should only be three tracks. Generally, if you send a YouTube clip with your best track, so the person at the other end can see what they look like. Because I have had bands, the music's been brilliant, and then I've looked at them, and I've unfortunately, you know, in some genres, to get coverage, bands need to look right, or they need to have an image or an angle. So, you know, for me, it's about that, and also seeing that they're not copycats you know if some band sends me their, their music and they sound like Opeth I'm like well why do I need another you know you want leaders not followers now the other thing in the music industry if a band is too original especially in America they don't know what to do with it yeah well that's you know, true it's like that's if true. it doesn't fit in the box then they don't know where to put it musically and things like that but I think it's about being groundbreaking we talk about your company Northern Music and what right. you guys do as a whole. I know it's not okay. just management, it's a, yeah. it's a lot of stuff. So there's Northern Music Group, which is the holding company. So Northern Music Co. is the management company and we manage 10 bands and Travis Smith, the artist, and some involvement with producers. So, you know, the bands we manage, obviously like Opeth, Paradise Lost, Devin Townsend, Anathema, Catatonia, Bloodbath, Fallon Fire, 65 Days of Static and, and some others uh, that I'm developing and so that's a management company and when you're a manager you become a jack of all trades so you kind of think oh right we can do that so for example open for a massive merchandise band and we saw the merchandise company was making a lot of money so we're like let's set up our own company artist own which I own with the band 
So we set up Omerch, so that's a kind of affiliate company. Then I have AMF Music, which is a publishing company that's administered by Cobalt. And Cobalt are a very forward-thinking, technological publishing company, probably the second biggest independent company in the world. So what I do there is sign bands for publishing and work with their managers, or if they don't have a manager to help uh, do marketing, get them a record deal, an agent on gigs and things like that. Then I have a small record label called Graphite. I release about five, six releases a year on that. Um, a booking agency called NMC Live that has about 35 bands that we book. I personally do Anathema, uh, Sons of Apollo. I mean, Hayden who works for me does bands like Merca, Solstafia, Leprous. So we're kind of like, it's metal rock, post rock kind of booking agency. Um, so yeah, the merch company, the booking, the publishing, the record label, and then I've got shares in a PR company called I Like Press and a DVD company called Film 24. So the guy that did a lot of my DVDs, OPEF, Devin, etc., I kind of got involved in that company and we just recently done Steve Hackett. We've done, um, shit, Singer of Free and very tough. <laughs> Paul Rogers. Oh, Paul yeah, Rogers. yeah, yeah. So, 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 yeah, so there's a lot of areas. So when a band comes in, it's not a 360 company where it's like you have to go through this or you have to go through that. But it's like if I sign a band and nobody wants to sign them for a record, I'll be like, sod it, I'll do it myself. So how, how uh, not an easy answer, I guess, but how do you manage all these things at once? Well, and how do you find the time to do it all? Well, I have 10 staff, so I have a team, that, you know, so in England, there's nine, 10 people. I have one guy in Holland and I used to have somebody in New York. So I think it's about, you know, what I do is I do the deals, I do the strategy, but then, you know, people in the office, sometimes I don't know how my bands get to a gig. Somebody else is sorting it out or making sure they do press, getting the whole package, delivering everything. So, you know, it's with the staff and you have to delegate, but admittedly, there are times where, you know, all the companies is about 100 bands. Every band does not know me. I don't know every band. So, for example, I saw Knife World the other day. I've never seen them before. Somebody in my office books them. Right. Uh, what's the funnest part of your job? The funniest. Fun, the part, funniest. The most enjoyable. Yeah, funniest. Nothing. No, well, I think, that, you know, my biggest thing is I do like to travel. And I think it's amazing, like, when a band's music be popular somewhere strange you know Indonesia they like metal even Pakistan and you know to have bands that can go and tour in a new market now a lot of my bands are sick of doing that but to me and it's somewhere warm or the fact you can even come on a, an event like this so the fun thing is seeing an act do a good gig create an album uh, give a fan an experience because it's much like any business. Imagine you set up a shop and that's your vision and nobody came to buy. It must be soul crushing. Yeah, right. So, you know, not every band connects. And I've had bands, I'm like, this is brilliant, but it's not connected with the audience. And sometimes you have to be realistic and say, I love you guys, but people out there are not getting it. Yeah. So, you know, you can have hype on an act, but if you don't have traction, because at the end of the day, you can hype and push stuff, but the, the, the fan is going to decide. Right. Uh, okay. Well, cool. Thank you, Mr. Andy Farrow. Thank you.
gig. We'll talk again soon, like in five minutes. Yeah. All right. For upcoming news and interviews, please check theprogreport.com, follow us on Facebook, at The Park Report on Twitter, or download the podcast on iTunes. Thanks.